0: carrie and we
1: are paranormal chicks
0: episode 89 and we just got back from atlanta
1: yes we did
0: and we were gonna have this long intro telling you all about it but we decided to put it at the end of the episode yes
1: and that way it could be a bad episode where it's like sad 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 but we end on a happy note Mm -hmm. and speaking of happy notes patreon
0: yep you know how you can tell when I've been watching a lot of Royal Housewives of Orange County? Because you go know up really high. Very high. So, shout out to Kari T from
1: Mississippi.
0: She is just up the street. Mm-hmm. Andrea S from Texas. Anne Marie T from New York, parentheses, city. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And Carrie with one R, H from Kentucky. Kentucky. Thank y'all for joining Patreon and supporting us. If you want an episode shout out, head over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. But there are tons of ways you can support us, even if you can't on Patreon. You can follow us on social media, join the Facebook group, subscribe, rate, review on all the platforms that really helps us out. If you're on Apple podcast, It would really
1: help us out if you review us.
0: All right. Enough business. Okay. Let's get down to the real deal business. Let's get down to business. To defeat. This girl is obsessed with Mulan. I am. (laughs) Like, but like, for real. I mean, yeah.
1: (laughs) I can't help it. I look like the matchmaker. Especially... When you did my makeup as Mimi, <laughs> y'all... See, this is another reason you should join Patreon, because you got to see her make me up as Mimi from Drew Carey, and I look like the matchmaker. <laughs> if you didn't see it, I was Mimi with a really white face. I don't know why she had to paint my face white. Well, that wasn't where I was going. I don't know. hmm And I did her as... Pennywise from It, the new one. And let me just say that she loved it enough that that's what she wanted to be for Halloween. Yeah, that's why. But, I mean, she did her own makeup. I don't know why,
0: but she did her own. I'm giving her the slow blink. (laughs) All right. My story this week is about a serial killer who I had never heard of. Intrigued. So, thank you so much, Sophia Hernandez, for tagging me in this post on the Facebook group. So that I could be like, oh, never heard of him. Doing it. Okay. So here we are.
1: And another reason to join the Facebook group.
0: I mean, let's just plug the Facebook group. Let's just say it like every... (laughs) Let's make it a drinking game. Every time we say Facebook (laughs) group. All right. Picture it. It's 2005 and you're in Phoenix, Arizona. All right. Your world honestly is in chaos. Because Phoenix has a serial rapist, and a serial killer at the same time. Holy shit. The serial killer was just driving by and shooting pedestrians and people in cars.
1: Oh, my God. So, like, totally random. Totally
0: random. And then... That's the worst kind. uh Uh-huh. Because there's no no safety in it. Right. You can't... You know, you're out riding your bike, and you're a potential victim. Yeah. But the story we're going to focus on... Is a serial rapist known as the Baseline Rapist.
1: Oh, shit. Okay.
0: The reason he was dubbed the Baseline Rapist is because his first victim was on a street named Baseline. Oh, okay. I know. I, whenever I heard it first, too, I was like, what? Where do they get that? Like, that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It made no sense to me.
1: Yeah. Cause I was like, I mean, the baseline of like a heartbeat kind of thing, or you know what I mean? Or like a baseline in baseball, so I—I
0: I mean, is there a baseline in baseball? I have no idea. There is a baseline. You got to run down the baseline. Okay, see. Mm-hmm. The first rape attributed to the baseline rapist was August sixth, two thousand five. Oh shit! And what happened was he forced three teenage girls all behind this church, and then raped two of them. Oh shit! And so it's like. That's pretty crazy when you think of the force and the like authority that he had to have exuded to be able I mean, you know, probably a gun too, Mm -hmm. but to be able to take those three girls. Yeah. And you know
1: I wonder why he didn't rape the third one.
0: I don't know. Okay. This y'all, this is gonna make me sound really crazy. But that probably does something to you psychologically. Oh as a third person to be like even a rapist. Wouldn't I know, me. girl? You that's know what I exactly
1: mean? where I went to. I was like, "Bless that girl's heart," and that's so wrong. But I,
0: because I mean, maybe that's the thing that we shouldn't say, you know. But it really is like, well, they're all victims, and yes, and in different ways, yes, and it's all psychological trauma. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like thinking that is no different than some people have orgasms during when they're raped and it's just because yeah. it's your body's natural response. Yeah. definitely. And so it's like, how do you, you know, like in all of that processing and all of that thinking about the psychological trauma that goes with it, that has to be a piece of it. Yeah. Somewhere for that. Per- I would think mm-hmm. y'all let us know what you think.
1: Yeah, for sure. Cause I'm right there with you. Like, that's why I ask that because God, oh,
0: well, it was only a month later. That the baseline rapist became the baseline killer. No. Well, here's the thing. The baseline killer's spree, for lack of a better word, was only about 11 months. That's a year. Right. But, you know, when you think of, like, fucking BTK, who did it for 40 fucking years. I mean, you know, he's an extreme example. But Yes, and he took time off. Yes, I know. Again, extreme example. However, over the 11 months of his spree... There were nine murders, eight rapes, numerous robberies, and other violent crimes. Wow. The person police were looking for was clearly someone that his way or the highway, you know, you had to do exactly what he asked or You were going to die. Yeah. Well, this one woman, she's 31 years old, and this was in May of 2006. She was just leaving this check cashing place in this little strip mall and a guy wearing like this beige mask, but looked very human like carjacked her. He makes her drive a couple of miles north to this residential area, forces her to undress and tells her to masturbate. And so she's like, oh, fuck. Okay, this is I'm about to get raped and then I'm going to get murdered. He tells her to perform oral sex on him. And he's like, if you don't fucking do it, I'm going to kill you. And she says that she told him, go ahead and kill me. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. He told her that he was going to, and this is, this is like her quoted in the interview. So she says, he said he was going to blow my brains out in the car. And my parents were going to read about it in the newspaper the next day. He pulled the trigger and there was a loud clicking noise. I realized that I wasn't dead and I got out of the vehicle and ran.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: That is like universe. It ain't your fucking time. Wow. It isn't your time. Holy shit. Yes. And I got a lot of these articles from Murderpedia. So it's just like boom, 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 boom of a bunch of different articles. But all right. So these are the victims that are attributed to the baseline killer Georgia Thompson. She. Was killed September 9th, 2005. She was 19. Oh, no. Tina Washington was 39, and she was killed December 12th, 2005.
1: Damn.
0: Then, February 20th of 2006, Romelia Vargas, she was 38, and Myrna Palma Roman was 34. Then, the last murders attributed to him were March 15th, Liliana Sanchez Cabrera, and Chow Chu. Liliana was 20 and Chow was 23. And so these last murders were more opportunity than as like much of a sexual motivation as the rest of them, especially with Chow's murder. Because so Liliana had a food truck and she and Chow, Chow was her cook in the food truck. And so when he attacked Liliana, he also killed Chow. Okay. So, it's like, that was a little bit of a different of an M.O., but it's also because he was there. Yeah. So, you remember how I told you that the attacks on the girls behind the church that gave him the name, the baseline rapist Mm -hmm. and killer? Well, he fucked up on that one. While the police are investigating all of the rapes and the murders, they realize that there was some DNA on one of the breasts of one of the girls who were attacked behind the church. Like, the girls that gave him the name, the baseline, Rapist and Killer. Okay. The police ran the DNA, and they got a hit. Oh, shit. The DNA came back as Mark Godot.
1: It was not a good day for Godot.
0: There was enough evidence for them to arrest him. They arrested him on his 42nd birthday, which I thought was hilarious. Damn. Mm-hmm. And he was convicted and sentenced to 438-year sentence. Damn. Yes. So the police knew that he was a baseline rapist, and they also had connected the baseline killer and the baseline rapist to one another. Like, they they knew it was the same person. Yeah. And so this gave them some breathing room. This gave them a little bit of time, you know, 438 years, (laughs) to be able to put the case together to be able to convict him of these murders. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Godot. When he was arrested for the rape of the girls, he was living in the suburbs with his wife. They had been married for 20 years. Holy Hannah. He was working a construction job. He had a house. He had cars. He had a job. He had a wife. He had the whole shebang. And you'd never know that he had this violent present and this violent past yeah well growing up Godot had a very traumatizing childhood there was a lot of drug and alcohol abuse in the family so there were 13 kids that he grew up with you know, his, yeah yeah, yeah he's one of 13 and six of those 13 kids are felons
1: holy hannah yeah
0: Four of them have done prison time, though. What the hell? Mm-hmm. Growing up, his mom was a maid, and his dad worked at a car dealership. It's just like a lot attendant there. When he was 18, Mark Godot was accused of raping this young girl with his brother. Oh, fuck. But here's the thing. Charges were never brought up because she, the victim didn't want to go forward with the prosecution. Bless it. And again, it was 1982, so you can't I mean, yeah, the things that victims go through now with the victim blaming and mm-hmm. the shaming and the, all the things, there's no telling how bad it was then. Oh,
1: for sure. Well, and especially with two guys, mm-hmm. it's going to be
0: – Her word against theirs. Uh-huh.
1: And it's like, then she looks bad for having two guys. You know, like, it's mm-hmm. like, no, they ganged up on her.
0: Yep. He got in a couple other little things in, like, 87 and 88, we don't care about – But in 1989, he was charged with kidnapping, sexual assault, and aggravated assault because he beat a woman with a shotgun. What? Mm Mm-hmm. So, this is what the woman said. Not only did he rape her and beat her with a uh, shotgun, he also tried to force cocaine up her nose. What? And beat her with a barbell.
1: Holy Hannah.
0: Threw her in a bathtub and then beat her up again in the parking lot. (laughs) So this is what old Mark Godot said. Old Marky Mark said that. That it was consensual that she perform oral sex on him. And they were going to take a bath. You know, because they were being all sexy Mm -hmm. time. When all of a sudden, knock, knock, knock on the door. And... Two men come up. Oh, okay. And beat her up and hold him at gunpoint. Okay. So, um, yeah, right. Yeah, sure thing. Likely story. Mm Mm-hmm. He pled no contest to three counts of assault. And before he was sentenced for that, this piece of shit robbed a cashier at a supermarket for, like, $850. And then, like, forced all of the employees to follow him out of the store. What? And so, of course, they, you know, knew it was him. And he told his probation officer that he needed the money for his crack cocaine addiction.
1: Oh, yes. As one does.
0: So, he was sentenced to 15 years for the assaults and 21 years for the robbery. So, you're thinking, okay, he was 18 and that was in 1982.
1: Nope, not thinking that numbers, and I don't even think about it.
0: So it's like, well, that math does not compute. Was he 147? No, he got out after serving 13 years. Oh my God. 13 years. Wow. It, I think it too, it wasn't long before he committed those and went to jail for that assault and robbery that he had gotten married. So it was like right before he got, you know, right before that. So he got married, spent 13 years in prison. He was out. For two years, because he got out in 2004, out for two years before he started the Baseline Rapes and Murders. Wow. So I wonder, are there some we don't know about? Yeah. There was one other murder, though, that happened that at first wasn't linked to the Baseline Killer because the M.O. was so weird. Not weird, just so much so different because the other ones were more like, Snatch-a-grabs, basically, of people where, you know, he would grab them and then take them to sexually assault them and rob them. But Sofia Nunez, she was killed on April 10th, 2006. But she was killed at her house. The only way that police were able to connect her to the baseline murders was because of ballistics. Oh, wow. But it was the Sofia Nunez murder that also... Provided a lot of evidence against Mark Godot to prove that he was the baseline killer as well. Mm. So she was killed and left in her bathtub for her eight-year-old son to find.
1: Oh my God. And he loves bathtubs.
0: I know. I wonder why. So not only was her murder at her house versus again, you know, just out in the wild, he also knew her. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, once police had his DNA, they were able to start searching his house, right? Because they had it, had his DNA arrested him for the rapes. hmm And that, of course, gave them search warrants to be able to search his house. Well, while they were there, they found a pair of white Nike tennis shoes. And the DNA of two of the murder victims were on those shoes.
1: Oh, fuck. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like you could tell that he had tried to like wash them and get rid of it, mm-hmm. but it was still there. So it was from Nicole Gibbons and Chow. Those were the two DNAs that were on the shoes. There was a ski mask, a black ski mask that they found in a hamper. And it also had microscopic traces of Nicole Gibbons' blood in five different places on the mask. Wow. After the police had done their search of the house, when they're going through all the evidence, one of the lead detectives is like, where are the rest of his shoes? Like, y'all didn't take all of his shoes? And they're like, no. So they got to, had to get another search warrant to go get the rest of his shoes.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Well, once they got all the shoes, they were searching through them. And they found this little Ziploc bag in one of the shoes. And inside the bag was this little, was a ring. Mm. And police recognized it immediately because it was the ring that had been missing from Tina Washington's body. because mm. So the ring was like, you know how you have those mother's rings with like mm-hmm.
1: the- On the birthstone
0: Birthstones or the kids' names or what, you know, just different yeah. types of mother's rings. Well, it was one of those. And the police had bought a ring that was an exact replica so that they had it so that they could compare, you know, when they if they found one. Mm-hmm. So when they found Tina's ring, it was like, got him. Mm-hmm. Like, even, you know, the DNA and all of that. No, he had Tina's ring. And Tina had just bought that ring like a month ago, I think, at Walmart. And had it engraved with all three of her kids' names. Like, they had him. There was yeah. no reason for him to have had that ring. You know, could you probably, like... Explain away a little bit of DNA on shoes, like, oh, he picked it up just walking around because it was kind of in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it was a food truck, so. Right. So could you explain, I mean, no, but yes. Yeah. But this fucking ring, they're like, got him. Yeah.
1: And also, guys, do not put things in shoes and think that's a safe place. It's not.
0: That's like, let me have my money or my jewels in my freezer. No robber checks there. Right. I mean, did you even watch Golden Girls when they got robbed? That's the first place they look. And, I mean,
1: in the toilet, like on Pretty Woman.
0: Mm. Well, there was even more evidence against him, too. Oh, shit. Well, okay. There was this guy. His name was Pete Ochoa. And he had a catering business that he was operating outside this warehouse. And a guy came in to rob him. When he came in, pointed a handgun at him. And fired, but it failed. Just like in the attempted rape and or the attempted murder, I guess I should say, from before. Mm-hmm. So Pete ran, went back into the like warehouse, locked, latched the door, got away. But then he saw that the guy was trying to get inside, but the lock oh did not let the guy get inside. He, you know? Can you just picture like hiding and seeing like yes of the door handle? Oh my god. That's
1: such a scary movie moment. Yes, it terrifies me. Yes.
0: Well, the identification was per- Was kind of shaky. You know, he's like he's quoted saying, "I will never forget those eyes, never." And so he was able to identify him. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing, though, was that there were two spent shell casings from a thirty-eight caliber handgun, and one unspent. Bullet. Mm. So, the police are looking at those. And the lands and grooves on those shell casings and bullet, and I don't really understand how all that works, but matched all of the gunshot wounds. Wow. In the victims of the baseline killer.
1: Wow. Well, they got a home run with that.
0: They did. So, they have the shoes, the mask, the DNA, his DNA. Eyewitness. Mm Mm-hmm. And ballistics. Wow. And the mother's ring. Yeah. Well, Mark Godot went to trial and was eventually sentenced to death. But his wife stands by him and says that it was a setup. They say that... Oh,
1: my God. Yeah.
0: He's done one interview for a... I think it was like a, a, a British documentary. But... And I found a video, it was like a 30 minute video on YouTube that talked about it. And they say that the police planted his DNA and they planted the ring because they didn't find it the first time. Well, they didn't collect all the shoes the first time. Yeah, And they were like, no, why didn't you get them all? You know, they got just the one that they were like, okay, this one like matches a footprint or whatever, you know, it was like, no, you should have gotten them all. And she also said that she being his wife said that again, the ring, The ring that they found was the one that they had bought, you know, to and they planted it. And the guy interviewing was like, no, I've literally looked at the evidence and saw both of them. And she was like, oh, well, I don't know how that happened then. But (laughs) 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 And they were saying, like, some of the things that they were saying about, like, the DNA, like, being faked and stuff, they were like, "Mm, no, that's like a one in 34 trillion chance that that, like, you know, it was just every single thing. They were like, nope, that's not right because of this. That's not right, you know, just shutting them down. Yeah. There was one plausible scapegoat, though. There was a guy that was known in the area for robberies and assaults. And if you look at a map and you put pings where the baseline rapists and you know, rapes and murders occurred, yeah, they line up very closely. With where this guy's hunting was as mm. well, for he'd been in prison basically all the time Mark was too, and so their entrances and exits of prison were similar too. And so yeah. it's like the timeline could add up for him, but it's Mark's DNA,
1: yeah,
0: you know. And so it's like, uh, I mean, while I can cons- the conspiracy theorist in me can see it because mm-hmm. you, when you saw, you know, when I was watching that and I saw it on the map, I was like, oh, fuck, you know. But no, you know, like you would have to have all of the police, like all like all the, the cops, all the detectives, the district attorney, all these people on board for this conspiracy to work. And so I just feel obviously so very sorry for all of his victims' families and what they've gone through and especially the child that had to find his mother, you know, and just how... Yeah. You know, they interviewed him too, and he's just so stoic and so solemn. I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for, but mm-hmm. you know, you just, he's so impacted by it 15 years later. Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, definitely. But I also feel so sorry for Mark Godot's wife because she's, he's got her fooled, you know? Yeah. And she's stuck by him for like 20 years. 20 plus years now, because, you know, at the time of this interview, it had been 20 years. And this was a long time ago. And so it's like, they got married right before he went to prison for those 13 years. He was out for two years before he was arrested again. So he's, you know, he has spent most of his adult, more of his adult life and probably more of his entire life at this point in prison versus out. Wow. And I just feel so sorry for her because now she's, I don't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Although, I see and this is where I'm a skeptic that doesn't believe people because they she's sitting down for this interview and he's only like it's an interview about the about everything obviously but they show clips from that documentary because supposedly that's the only interview he'll ever he'll ever do. But like of course when she sits down to be interviewed by this crew what happens her phone rings and it's him. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's like, y'all can't, you can't tell me he didn't know what time you were, you know what I mean? That was 100% planned, you know? And it was like, she talked to him for 10 minutes about the interview and life and blah, 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 blah. It's like, I mean, what, I I don't know. I'm just such a skeptic as far as, like, that was a play. Yeah. So I 100% believe that he is guilty. He is where he should be. There is no rehabilitating him. No, He is, you know, and, and I think that there are probably a ton that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Because you don't, you just, I don't know. I just feel like you can't spend, someone like him can't spend 13 years in prison and then wait another two years. So 15 years between attacks like that. Yeah. With the amount of violence and You know, comfort and all, you know. Yeah. So I definitely believe that there are some that we don't know about. For sure.
1: I had to change it up because I've said yeah like 20 times. (laughs) You know.
0: I do that sometimes with your stories too. I'm like, God, how many times am I going to say yeah? Yeah. (laughs) So that's it. That's it. That's the story of Mark Godot and the piece of shit that raped and murdered all these people.
1: Yeah. Wow. Hate him. Mm-hmm. Feel
0: sorry for all of the families. Yeah.
1: Well, here's another thing that you're going to feel sorry about. Listening to this damn story, it's a doozy.
0: Oh, shit.
1: All right. Well, music is my love language. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them. Because, you know, carbs and cocks, that's definitely the other one.
0: But play this girl some Lizzo, and she's like, I put the sing in single. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I love music. And I get it. I'm not, like, special. Everyone loves music. But I really think it stems from me loving poetry so much. And then, like, then you put music behind it, and it's completely different. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Whereas, see, because you like the words. Mm Mm-hmm. I like the music and the vocals. Yeah. And I nine times out of ten don't know what the fuck they're saying.
1: Girl, we know. And, like I said, a lot of people love music. They're moved by music. And most of the time, it's... That it's so good and it's so therapeutic. However, there are some songs that have been said to move people to do dangerous and harmful things to others and to themselves. (laughs)
0: Dun-dun-dun. Like that?
1: Yes, definitely. Okay. One song is known as the Hungarian Suicide Song, (gasps) but we know it as Gloomy Sunday. And this was suggested to me by Amanda T. from Canada So shout out, girl, and I hope you survived Black Friday. So picture it, 1933, Paris, France. Rezo Suresh was 34 and a struggling songwriter. And the backdrop of everything, the world was in a pretty bleak place. And Suresh was from Hungary. And so he originally wrote this song at the time of the Great Depression and like fascist influence in Hungary. And all of the world, but like, you know, his allegiance is to Hungary. Mm -hmm. The original title was The World is Ending, and that's obviously translated into English. So it's all apocalyptic, death, despair, doom. And there's also an article from academia.edu, and it's from the Omega Journal of Death and Dying. Oh. Yes. Yes. And it says that there are reports that Suresh's then-girlfriend had been on his case to get a real job, and then she left him because she don't want no scrub. Well, the next day, he is sitting there in his apartment in Paris, and it's rainy, and it's gloomy, and it's a Sunday, and he wrote this song in 30 minutes. So he calls up his friend, Laszlo Yavor, and he's a poet, and he's like, yo, check out this song. It's sick. And his friend's like, yeah, love the music, but it's dark and it's in a way like it's not gonna sell. We need dark, but it's gonna be like a solid hit. So he's like, what evokes a strong emotion in people? And that's a heartbreak song. So Laszlo uses his recent breakup with his own girlfriend because she left him. And so he's like, I'm gonna use that for inspiration. And then coupled with Suresh's recent breakup, It was finalized. So the song is told from the perspective of a person whose, like, greatest love ever has died. And so they're contemplating suicide in order to be reunited with that, their lost love.
0: Damn. That's some fucking Romeo and Juliet shit.
1: Definitely. Well, now the song is complete. It's a sad ballad that will speak to millions. But for two years, it made little headway. However, in 1935, Pal Kalmar, he recorded a version of it, and that's what really ramped up this notorious legend of the song, because there was such an influx of suicides in Hungary. But I do want to mention that according to an article on mentalfloss.com, Hungary does historically have one of the higher suicide rates in the world. And it's approximated that 46 out of every 100,000 people take their lives every year.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: Yeah. There are supposedly upwards of 17 or more suicides in Hungary that have been attributed to this song or have some relation to it. Damn. One account is Joseph Keller, and he was a shoemaker. He died by suicide in February of 1936. And... His suicide note had lyrics from Gloomy Sunday. Then there is a teenage girl in Vienna, and she died by suicide of drowning, like drowning herself. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she was holding a piece of the sheet music from Gloomy Sunday. Shit. Then there was a woman who overdosed intentionally while listening to Gloomy Sunday, and she just had it on, you know, like the... Repeat. Yeah, but it's like a record, so it's mm-hmm. just like that scratchy skipping over and over and over that song, When They Found Her. The sheet music was found in an apartment of a shopkeeper in Berlin who had hanged herself. Then there was a man who shot himself after he had told his family, like, I can't get this song out of my head. I just keep singing it. Then there's other accounts of people who drowned themselves in the Danube river and they all had copies of the song lyrics in their pockets or clutched in their
0: hands. Suicide by drowning. I don't even understand how that happens. I know. Like, I feel like your body wouldn't let it. I mean, obviously it's a thing, but it's like, you know, yes. like, how do you keep yourself from, like, coming up for air? Because it, your body's just, like, natural – you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, usually they tie stuff, like, oh. heavy to their feet or whatever. Oh.
0: Ooh, that's a – oh, that's it's a terrible a, way to a go. bad one,
1: yeah. Another time in Berlin, there was a young woman, and she was found hanging from a rope in her apartment, And the sheet music to Gloomy Sunday was in her bedroom. And another story of an errand boy in Rome who was walking around, you know, doing errands as one does. And he heard this beggar on the street humming Gloomy Sunday, which he didn't know the song at the time. He was just like, well, that's a humdinger. (laughs) You can tell we've been playing a lot of cranium. Yeah, right. And so he gave him all the little, you know, change he had, all the money he had. But then right after that, he went and drowned himself in the nearby river too. The errand boy? Yeah. And then there's also some U.S. reports because Sam Lewis and Desmond Carter, they each wrote a translation into English of the song There was a woman in New York who died by suicide, and her suicide note requested that Gloomy Sunday be played at her funeral. Then a man jumped from his apartment window, and the sheet music was on his piano. And then Floyd Hamilton Jr., he's a 13-year-old boy in Michigan. He hung himself in the living room, and he had a copy of the lyrics in his pocket. And then on January 25th, 1937, Time magazine reported that Jerry Flanders, who was 24 in Indianapolis, he was at a saloon and he requested the pianist to play Gloomy Sunday. And like, so they play it. And while they're playing it, he, like, stands up and he announces that he poisoned his beer and he's about to drink it. Well, he gets arrested. uh, What? Before he does it. Yeah. And so, and there's a little change in the U.S. version from the Hungarian version. But they did stay, like, still, like, doom and gloom. And y'all, okay, well, one, you'll hear this later, but... I have heard this song several times. I did not know this had, like, I had no idea. So obviously it hasn't had any effect on me, but we know music can affect people. So trigger warning, I'm going to read some lyrics and trigger warning. If you go and listen on YouTube of the different versions and stuff, listen at your own risk. Yes. Okay. So here's some of the lyrics. Gloomy as Sunday with the shadows I spend it all. My heart and I have decided to end it all. Soon there'll be candles and prayers that are sad I know. Let them not weep. Let them know that I'm glad to go. Death is no dream for in death I am caressing you. With the last breath of my soul I'll be blessing you. To make it more commercial for US Peeps, they did like Okay, how can we turn all of this darkness? Because, again, we all love sad songs. I mean. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to be in your feels. Yes, definitely. But how can we make it like, oh, but it ends on a high note. So they end it with saying, dreaming. I was only dreaming. I wake and I find you asleep in the deep of my heart, dear. So they make it like, mm-hmm. oh, it was all a dream. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1941, Billie Holiday recorded a version of this. And that's Ooh. the one I know because I love Billie Holiday. And again, I had no idea with any of this. Like when Amanda told me, I was like, Gloomy Sunday. I feel like like that's the Billie Holiday song I mm-hmm. know. Like, are you kidding me? Because again, I mean, it's sad. And it's like that hauntingly beautiful song.
0: Especially with Billie Holiday's voice.
1: yeah. Billie Holiday's version actually got banned in England because the BBC deemed that it was too upsetting for the public. uh, Damn. Because it was in the early 40s. And so they thought it would be really bad for them with the wartime Mm -hmm. morale and everything. And that ban was finally lifted in 2002.
0: Damn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And about Billie Holiday, people said that she was cursed from doing her version of this song because it was a huge hit with her. Mm -hmm. She had always had a hard time in life, difficult childhood that led to sex work, drugs, and alcohol abuse. But, you know, she was amazingly talented. Mm
0: -hmm. Most of the, like, I feel like the most amazingly talented people are the most tortured.
1: Yeah. Well... On May 31st, she was taken to Metropolitan Hospital in New York with liver and heart disease. She was arrested for possession as she was laying there, like, dying in the hospital. What? Mm Mm-hmm. And, but she lived, I mean, like, for a little bit on July 17th, 1959 She was still in police custody, and she died from pulmonary edema and heart failure caused by psoriasis of the liver. Mm. And she was just 44 years old. Holy shit. And, like, her addiction had just engulfed her. Mm -hmm. And she had only 70 cents in the bank when she died. Are you
0: serious?
1: Yes. So they say... Everything went downhill when she recorded this song. But again, like, I mean, she had a troubled past and Mm -hmm. all of the things. However, it is what it is. So Suresh, who had originally wrote the music for the song and lyrics that were changed, you know, he tried to get in touch with his ex who had inspired Mm -hmm. the song. And she had poisoned herself. (gasps) And there was a copy of the sheet music of the song nearby. And then also there was a note, and it only had two words on it, and it said, Gloomy Sunday.
0: Oh, my God. Well,
1: Suresh, during World War Two, he was put into a labor camp by the Nazis, and he survived. <gasps> Then he had, like, various jobs after that. He did some theater work, some circus where he was a trapeze artist. Okay. Mm-hmm. But and he tried to do songwriting, but he just never had a big hit like Gloomy Sunday. hmm He attempted suicide in 1968. It was right after his 69th birthday. He jumped from a window of his apartment building in Budapest. However, he survived that fall. Oh, my God. Rushed to the hospital, but he did complete his suicide later in the hospital because he choked himself to death with a wire.
0: (gasps) Oh, my God. Right? This is so heavy. Fuck.
1: I know. I told you it's a doozy. So, they said Suresh had, like, kind of kept a diary and had wrote about his feelings towards the song and everything And it was just a lot of conflicted emotions, but he's quoted as saying, I stand in the midst of this deadly success as an accused man. This fatal fame hurts me. I cried all of the disappointments of my heart into this song, and it seems that others with feelings like mine have found their own hurt in it. All in all, this song has been blamed for suicides worldwide close to 100 fuck and that's like really all of it i mean cuz it it didn't go into a lot of detail on any of these people's deaths mm-hmm.
0: nor would it you know or should mm-hmm. it
1: and a lot of people say not all of them could be corroborated as truth and it might have just been more of like a game of telephone or mm-hmm. like and he was found with gloomy sunday in his pocket you know what i mean that right. kind of thing however At the time that most of these suicides happened and everything, it's where the government would not talk about that either. You know, they wouldn't have been like, and it was gloomy Sunday, and it was gloomy. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, like, going to perpetuate people to listen to the song, to seek it out, and all of the things. Right. But also... At this time, it was full of despair, the Great Depression, mm-hmm. all of the war. Like, I mean, Hitler, hello. Yeah. You know, so it was a really hard time. So if you're in that mindset and you're struggling and all of this, and then you hear this song who that has that connotation with it, mm-hmm. I mean, it. certain people, it's going to resonate in a really dangerous way.
0: Well, because it... Validates their feelings, mm-hmm. and and that's it. It validates their feelings. <laughs> Good story, Carrie. <laughs> no, but it's true. And and ha- maybe, you know, I feel like too probably helps them feel like they're not alone, but maybe gives them the courage to, con- you know what I mean? Yeah, to, to go through with it.
1: And in thinking of that, like they're not alone. And if they die by suicide from this song and they have the lyrics with them and whatever they join a group of other people who a purpose are, almost. Yeah, yeah yeah so it's really sad to hear all of like all of these things it but again i have listened to this song so many times yeah like i have it on cd damn have if i, I heard still it? have the cd <laughs> cuz i'm a purger do i know it you i would think you should but okay well and we can't play it anyway uh-uh. because of copyright shit. Yeah. But I will link to a YouTube yeah. song of Billie Holiday's because that's the one I know most of. But again, listen to it at your own risk. Because mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this song carries the weight of any of what I'm saying. You know what yeah. I mean? However, it's been linked to suicides and I'm not trying to... Perpetuate that. Yeah.
0: It's just such a tough subject because I think that suicide is so misunderstood by people who don't have issues with mental illness. They, it's just, people, they just can't understand it. Right. And so it's, it's just a touchy subject.
1: Yeah. And with this, I mean, it's not just a song, anything. You could read a book Mm -hmm. and... Or see a movie or whatever.
0: And identify with it. Yeah.
1: And like you said, it validates your feelings or just like 13 Reasons Why, dealing with suicide Mm -hmm. and stuff. And they said that teenage suicide rates had went up Mm -hmm. after seeing that. And it's like, it's not because of that show. I mean, I don't watch it Mm because, you know, I just don't. But, like, I feel like it's not because of that show. It's because they have underlying issues that haven't been Mm -hmm. helped or they haven't been heard or whatever. And then, again, like you said, they identify with this character. And
0: and it gives them, well, if they can do it, then I can do it. Because, you know what? One time I was in a, a psychology class in college. And the professor was talking about how some medications have the side of like some, you know, psychotropic medications have the side effect of suicide Mm -hmm. and, you know, or, you know, suicidal ideations, I guess you should say. And this was purely his opinion, but it, and, but it just resonated with me. And I still remember this legitimately 15 years later that he said that he feels like when you're in such a deep, dark, depressive hole that you feel like, suicide, death by suicide is the only way out. But you're in such a deep, dark hole that you don't even feel like you are worthy or capable enough to do it. Yeah. Then when you start taking medication and you start feeling a little bit better, you start feeling more capable. And then so instead of kind of coming out of the depression because you are a capable person, you start feeling capable to die by suicide. You know what I mean? Yes, it's like, it's like you went from like, if you look at you know zero to 10, you were feeling like a negative five and it brought you up to a zero. You need to get to above that to, to lose those suicidal ideations, but you're still there. Yeah. And so you, you finally feel like you have the self-worth to even attempt it because, you know, they would think potentially, well, I would attempt this and just fail anyway yeah so I don't know if that's true. That was again his opinion, but it 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 made sense to me and again yeah. it resonated with me and I think that it put it kind of cast a different light on suicidal ideations and death by sui- you know it just it just was like, oh, okay, I can see that you know and you know we I'm totally speaking for you a little bit too with this Donna, but like we know that that y'all listening have gone through some hard shit. Because you tell us in the Facebook group and, you know, hell, we read your sinister sightings and all of that. And y'all are so incredibly strong. And we just want you to know that you are loved and supported. And that if you are having any thoughts of suicide or harming yourself or anything like that, please seek help. You are worthy. You are Special, you is kind, you is smart, you is important. We want you around. We support you. And I think Donna has the suicide prevention line.
1: Yes. And it's available 24 hours every day. It's 1-800-273-8255. And there's also an online chat.
0: And if you feel like you aren't in a place where you can even call that you can even call 911 and say that you want to baker act yourself yeah. and baker act is an act that um i think we've talked about this before but where if i feel like let's say if i felt like donna was a harm to herself or other people i could through the baker act i could have her committed to like a 3 day stay for evaluation and treatment yeah. to keep her from harming herself. But you can also do that to yourself. So if you feel like I'm not in a place where I don't even think that calling the hotline would work, call 911 and tell them that you want to be Baker Acted. That you need you need help. Yeah, You need to be taken somewhere. So please, please reach out for help. Because there are people who are available to you that want to help you. I know I've said this. We've always told our family members there's nothing that you can do or have done or are going through that would make you know us stop loving you that would make you know i mean there's except if they thought that an owl killed kathleen peterson then we gotta talk because mm-hmm, bushy eyebrows
1: michael peterson killed her
0: or, or his, his son, son. <laughs> allegedly <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah allegedly
0: who this episode was heavy
1: it was
0: I'm glad we moved the crab jockey thing to the end. I <laughs> we'll lighten it up a little bit. Godly. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. This was a heavy, heavy episode. But it was a good one. And I'm going to listen to that song.
1: As Carrie said, we moved the Atlanta tangent to the end. So we know this is heavy. Sit back and relax and laugh at our stupidity and lateness. We made it back from Atlanta and we have shit to say.
0: We had two huge events while we were there. Huge.
1: Huge. One, we missed breakfast. That was a huge event.
0: Oh, God. Because, okay, (laughs) let's just take it day by day. And if you don't, you know, we understand if you want to skip through this. (laughs) First day, we decided that we were going to, because I had to go do some shit. And so we decided we were going to leave at one o'clock. Well, guess what time we actually fucking left? 7 p.m. Six hours late. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I was driving because Donna's car has a dimple in the side. <laughs> Still. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so when I got home from running the errands that I had to run really quickly, I was like, Donna, I am really tired. Like, like my eyes were heavy, tired. I'm going to take a nap. Wake me up at 2.30. Because I knew we were like, it was like one o'clock when I laid down. So I was like, wake me up at 2.30. Y'all woke up at 4.30. She forgot to fucking call me.
1: Well, in my defense, I was doing work work and like to get it finished before I was leaving and then laundry cuz wasn't ready. It was a whole debacle.
0: Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I hadn't packed yet. Yeah. So we get into Atlanta at 2:30. 2:28 mm, mm-hmm. came into the Holiday Inn on two fucking wheels because we had to be there by 2:30 a.m. or we lost our reservation. <laughs> Who knew? Um, and when I called to say, hey, we're going to have a late check-in, she was like, you have to be here by 2.30. And I was like, oh, yeah, we'll be there by 1.30. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally did not account for the change in time zone. Mm-hmm. So, thankfully, we were, it had a place to sleep. Yes. My mm-hmm. car's not that comfortable.
1: It would, no. It would have been
0: miserable. So, we ever slept and we missed breakfast. The whole fucking point of this hotel was yeah. because it had good breakfast and we fucking slept through it. Mm-hmm. Okay, fast forward to us meeting the listeners. Oh, my God. We had so much fun. We went to this little place, this little bar called McCray's Tavern, and the food was so good. Oh, my gosh.
1: It was in Midtown. Yeah, sure. Well, they have different locations, but the one we went to was in Midtown. And we suck at life, if you haven't noticed. And we did not make reservations, but we got it. We got it done. I don't know why they thought these people should be on the third floor.
0: Yeah, let's let these fucking two extra large pizzas (laughs) schlep their big asses up to the third
1: floor. (laughs) Y'all, but I made it. The only time I had to stop was when Carrie sabotaged me with her shoes that
0: I was wearing. (laughs) Did you catch that? My shoes she was wearing.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. She doesn't have Fred Flintstone feet, and the... Like, one little thing was a little too tight, and so when I was going up, my feet just kept going, like, sliding further and further, because they're like, wait, this
0: is three flight. What? Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, why are we keeping on going? I know. <laughs> Y'all, they did not have a bathroom upstairs. I, that was the first thing I said when I when I hit that landing. I said, is there a bathroom up here? <laughs> they said, no. I said, you may not, I, literally, to the hostess, I said, you may not to slip down these stairs every time I got to go pee?
1: But it was good, and it was private up there, So mm-hmm. it ended, and it really wasn't bad.
0: We got to meet five or six people that, I mean, it was just so much fun. We all sat around, ate, and drank, and chatted, and it was, it was so much fun.
1: It was chill, and, like, we had been friends for years. Mm-hmm. It was really good. It was really good to hug y'all and, like, I don't know, just see y'all. And, like, I just want to be like, I see your face. I know you.
0: It, it truly was so much fun, and I get so much anxiety when it comes to, like, meeting new people and having to do small talk like that, and definitely, definitely took my anxiety pill, mm-hmm. but it was like, once we got there and people actually got there, it was like, oh my god, no, this is, these are our friends, like, this is not, yeah. you know what I mean? So it was like... It was, so, it was just so chill. It was so perfect.
1: Yeah, because they're not strangers. I mean, we talked to y'all on the reg in mm-hmm. the group. So we just picked up conversations from the Facebook group, and it was perfect.
0: And then the next night... We're almost done, y'all. No, we're not. The next <laughs> night... <laughs> the next night we went and saw Crime Junkie Live.
1: Yes, and we've had these tickets for a while. A
0: long, long time. And so... We actually got the VIP package, so we could do the meet and greet, which yeah. was before, which I really liked because meet and greet's usually after, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, right. I think <laughs> I don't think I've ever bought VIP tickets to literally anything in my life. Me either. Yes, you did, Kelly Pickler. I didn't buy a VIP.
1: She was just awesome and stayed the entire time
0: oh. and
1: met everyone. She was amazing, y'all.
0: Oh, well, that's what we did.
1: Well, let's just say we got there with uh, not a minute to spare, <laughs> not, and Kimberly Kimberly, Kelly's texting me, like, where are y'all at, bitches?
0: Because apparently we were supposed to be there at 5.30.
1: And they were like, or you will be turned away. And I was like, Carrie, Carrie, it's 5.29. She was like, we got time. We got time. Lyft was amazing. She was driving good. But I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. She was like, Donna, stop freaking out. I was like, Kimberly Kelly's freaking out, too. But we made it.
0: With plenty of time to spare. Well. A solid 15 seconds. uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, Lord. And imagine that we were the last in line. Like, we got up there and Kimberly Kelly's, like, in front of us because, oh, she's, like, 15th in line. Not even. Yeah. And we're last.
0: (laughs) But, y'all. When it was our turn to meet Ashley and Britt, we walk up. We had our little evidence bags with our stickers and you know all of yeah. our things because it's who we are. And when we hand it to them, we're like, "Hey, you know, I was, I don't, I don't even know. We're best friends too. We have a podcast too. We're called called Paranormal Chicks.'" And Ashley was like, "What? Well, yeah, yeah, I know y'all. Yeah, that's you." <laughs> and we were like. Honestly,
1: there's a video of it because Kimberly Kelly was like our mom and she was like, hey, I'm going to record this, okay?
0: Thank God she did those. Yes. Perfect. Like, Oh,
1: my gosh. But we're like, uh, uh, like our mouths uh, are wide open. Our eyes are like,
0: boing. When we got into the theater, I like literally was like, I need a minute. Yeah. How, how the fuck has she heard of us? Well, we are on their Patreon. And we have sent them letters.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, we tried. (laughs) And apparently it worked. Mm -hmm.
0: So that was a pretty big deal.
1: Yeah. It was really cool meeting them and, like, hey, they're people, too. Mm -hmm. And they're short like me. Yay.
0: And I was the freaking Jolly Green Giant over there.
1: Yep. You were. And I'm not that
0: tall. Yeah, you are. It was really great. They did a really cool story. like Or, you know, the... um, Case. Thank you. We kind of shamelessly panhandled to the crowd with help and passed out some, like, stickers and stuff like that, which I kind of felt guilty for. But then again, I feel like Crumb Junkie understands since they left stickers in bathroom stalls when they Mm -hmm. were growing. So I feel like they would understand. And yeah, we have some new people that have, like, already joined the group and been like, oh, my God, we're listening. And so shout out to those ladies that were sitting behind us and that are listening now. I know. Crazy we really did have a great time. Like, it was very casual. It was, like, you know, they were just, they were cute. They, like, took their shoes off when they were sitting in their, like, they were sitting crisscross applesauce in their little chairs. Like, it was just so casual and laid back and, which is so our style. And we just had so much fun.
1: It made me really want to do live shows.
0: we going to have to, I'm going to have to get, like, a taser or some shit <laughs> when, for when she goes rogue. And so oh, shit she I, I was supposed like, to say. I was like, why? But, you, yeah, yeah. she would be telling all my shit. And I won't be able to have Will cut it. I mean, I'll just, or like a bell. I'll be like, <laughs> stop talking about that. Ding! Don't talk about that. Ding! <laughs> Off limits. Ding! Stop talking about that. Oh, God. <laughs> we had so freaking much fun. And our, one of our goals for 2020 is to travel more so that we can do more listener meetups like that. And... So we can meet more of y'all because you are our family and it is, it's like Donna said, it's just like like a friend you haven't seen in a long time, but whenever you get back with them, you you pick up right where you left off and that's exactly what it was like. And one
1: final note about it. I don't know what happened Saturday night, but Sunday, (laughs) I had a fight in my dream apparently (laughs) and I had lipstick
0: all the fuck over me. Which is very unusual that she went to sleep with her makeup on yes me all the time my skincare routine is terrible <laughs> donna's on point
1: eh, but i had lipstick all over my arm on my nose
0: y'all i'm i'm not even joking <laughs> my forehead that on the way home i like did a stroke test on her <laughs> well yes she did like i like in all seriousness <laughs> i was like are you okay
1: Y'all, it wasn't okay.
0: <laughs> like, I was like, look at me, smile. Like, ask her some
1: questions. Yes, I could not stay awake, and just, my brain was in a fog.
0: I even did, like, muscle testing on her arms. Yes. And, and like, we didn't even drink Saturday night. Like, I don't know what Sunday was, but she was on a different planet. Yes. Glitch in the Matrix, Donna was not with me.
1: no. Not at all. Like, I couldn't get words out that I, like, wanted to say. I, I don't know. Like, I almost spilt everything.
0: (laughs) Like, what the hell? It was, it was bizarre. It was. Like, that's the only word to describe it. It was so bad. I don't know what happened. Well, and then the next day we get home Or, you know, we get home that day, but the next day, we both get both dogs from from boarding, and they were both so weird. Yes. Like, it took both two damn days to recover.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. And then I was still weird, and so I was, like, double weird that Marley was weird, and it was a lot, y'all. So, also, goal for 2020 is learn how to travel better, because I don't know (laughs) what the fuck happened to my brain, but.
0: All in all, it was an amazing trip. We met some amazing people. We met some new creepsters. Yep.
1: And set some new 2020 goals. So it was a fucking success.
0: Mm-hmm. And the reason we were able to do this trip is because of how much support we get on Patreon. And we really, truly appreciate it that we were able to go and meet people who listen to the podcast. And, again, that's part of our 2020 vision, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And so, thank y'all so much for supporting us so that we can, can do these things and go and meet more of you this coming year.
1: Yes, definitely. And remember. Creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.